the Students Run LA podcast. Episode six. Hey, everybody. We're here with Paul Trapani. Now, Paul's one of the founders of Students Run LA, and that's a, a story we're going to get into in a later podcast. But for now, we're going to talk about his, his current role as the program director. Uh, he used to be a coordinator. He was a leader at his school. Now he's the program director. What is the program director? Well, first of all, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. And, and what does a program director do? What do you do as program director? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, it's funny when you, um, when, when I, I imagined you were going to ask this question, and it's uh, sometimes hard to explain, you know, what a role is um, uh, in a way that I think people will appreciate everything uh, that, you know, that, that it entails. But okay, so, you know, to, to put it simply, you know, I see the program director role is, is to provide support and guidance to the hundreds of marathon leaders who are uh, managing SRLA groups. Uh, while they're mentoring and training students, you know, um, I think the program director is almost like um, like the principal of a school. But imagine the school being, you know, 180 plus classrooms spread out uh, from as far north as Silmar to as far south as Laguna Beach, and so the program director role is to make sure that all of those people in those remote classrooms uh, have uh, what they need uh, to um, to provide the support. Uh, for these transformational experiences that uh, that students are having as far as students from LA. Uh, another thing as I see us, uh, the program director role is, um, you know, it's a leadership role in determining the vision and the mission and the philosophy of students from LA and, and all the policies and protocols that go in support of, of reaching our program's goals uh, in terms of uh, building and revealing uh, character in students. Um, and there's a lots of little pieces that are that are part of that. Uh, but that would be, you know, uh, I think in many ways it would take up the entire podcast. And, uh, you know, but <laughs> I, I do believe that um, uh, the program director role is the essential piece of this uh, program because it, it's so um, critical to have uh, that um, centralized uh, um, position to help, I hope, to help our leaders uh, be able to deliver this program um, effectively. Yeah, I would think that uh, just about everybody involved in Students for LA, other than maybe the students, have some contact with you in one way or another. And, and the students even see you, of course, at the, the events uh, where you're managing things and getting things going and handing out packets and whatever needs to be done. Yeah, those are, it, it, much of what I do is happening well behind the scenes, which it should be. In fact, I take great pride that if our leaders don't even know you know, if, if they if they're going to go and manage their roster, all of a sudden, wow, this appears. How'd that happen? You know, if they're going to go ahead and register for races, wow, that you know, and 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 much of my relationship is with the technical support that it, that, that this kind of uh, program requires. You know, um, we, even before the pandemic, you know, much of what we did is is uh, you know online. Uh, uh, you know that you know you, you, we think about students from LA as people out there running. You know. Uh, 5Ks, 10Ks, 15Ks training for a marathon, but all the logistical support that we need in order for 3,500 people to do that uh, is, is something the program director is, is involved in managing and has to have a relationship with um, the uh, uh, tech support in order for this to happen uh, effectively. And, and so with all that in mind, what, what, kind of, what are the biggest challenges you face this season with the COVID-19 restrictions and modifications that we've had to make. Yeah, that's been a, a, an interesting transition and, and adjustment. Uh, you know, it, it, the biggest challenge I think 
in, as far as the program director role, is we had to go from this on-site experiences to this more virtual, which you know nobody really wants to have that, but but I believe we still serve a very important purpose in in helping students and leaders uh, staying active and healthy uh, during this time. So the COVID nineteen has forced us to kind of shift how we deliver this program, uh, and I think uh, what we've done is we've been able to give leaders the tools that they need to help uh, keep their students engaged. Uh, and um, that's been tough, you know, and, and especially when you start thinking about how, you know, the COVID-19, there's these like waves, you know, they, they'll have a time when it was very, very, very strict lockdown protocols and, and then they were relaxed a little bit. And so students in LA, you know, uh, had to make these kinds of adjustments uh, based on the, 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 the different conditions that existed even within the COVID-19 world we're living. So, you know, making that transition from the on-site experience to the virtual experience has probably been one of the biggest challenges and making sure that we provide the kind of material support and logistical support for our leaders to deliver this program at their individual sites. Uh, you know, that, that's been difficult, but I think we've been very successful in, in meeting this, this, this challenge, uh, mostly because we have some really extraordinary marathon leaders. You know, these guys have been able to figure out how to, how to, how to make this season work uh, despite being, um, you know, challenged to be more uh, offline or online as opposed to uh, on site. So, you know, I think um, being in this position as program director and providing that support under these very unique and extraordinarily, extraordinarily challenging circumstances has been my biggest uh, uh, obstacle with, uh, with COVID-19. So with all that in mind, what do we have to look forward to the rest of this, this season, this COVID-19 season? Well, I, I think, um, you know, uh, one of the areas where I've taken, I think we've done it again, uh, we, we've been very flexible. You know, the, uh, the term I, I was using is, is uh, we kind of was flexible enforcement. You know, we, we, in, in, under normal conditions, you know, the, the goal is to, uh, uh, to train and complete, train for and complete a marathon. That's the, you know, but I think what this year has given us is an opportunity to kind of revisit what student training is all about. You know, we're not a, we're not a marathon training program. That's really not what we're about. We're a character building and revealing program. And we use the marathon as a way of delivering that experience. Uh, so I think we're, we're staying true to that. We've actually kind of returned to that. So, so we, we've created a, a schedule that um, is going to challenge our leaders to determine what is the appropriate culminating experience that um, would be uh, sensitive to the needs and goals at their individual sites. And so we are, uh, we, we do have um, at least three remaining events this season, um, all of which have the flexibility for leaders to choose how they want them to look like, but we are, encouraging our leaders to make sure that whatever they challenge their students to do, it is more difficult than what they did previously. With the understanding that the culminating event can be a marathon, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a marathon. It could be distance and time-based. It can be activity-based, but it does have to be something that's worthy uh, of their efforts. So, you know, traditionally those events would be 13, 18, and 26 miles. What percentage of the leaders do you think are going to follow that path pretty pretty strictly? 
You know, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I, I think a lot of what will happen will be determined by, um, you know, the, the individual site at you know, what, what is going on with, with COVID-19 at their individual site. So percentages. I still believe there are a lot of leaders who, who feel that they can, they can create an experience at their site that will be very true to that traditional model. I, I, percentages, I imagine anywhere between 50 to 60% of our groups will, 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 will try to make that experience happen at their school site. Uh, I think all of our groups that are still actively involved, we still have close to 180 groups, which again speaks well of our program. Uh, I think all of them will create opportunities for their students to do something that will be still be transformational and still be meaningful and purposeful and will we'll give the, our students the sense of satisfaction and knowing that they, they've done what they can to be the best they can be. Uh, and I think that that speaks again well of our program. Yeah, and, and what do you think the future holds? So what do we see in the upcoming seasons and what, what, what parts of this COVID season do you think might, might carry on or, or do you think we're gonna just completely go back to how we were? That's a great question. Again, I think conditions will determine, you know, much of what next season is going to look like. You know, I know one thing though, we're, we're very good adapters. <laughs> Student LA has been able to adapt. Uh, you know, I, I, this is not a perfect um, experience for us, but I think we have created a way to, to accommodate these, these changes. But let's imagine for a moment that we do have some expectation that a a new normal will appear where we'll have onsite. We will, we will try to probably have a blend or a mixture uh, as we transition. And at some point when, when conditions uh, merit that we can have complete uh, onsite experiences again, we will, that's the plan is to return to that. Because at its core, student friendly is, you know, it's very different, is social interaction. You know, it, it is, I mean, we, you know, getting everybody together at, uh, at events to celebrate, um, uh, healthy choices is what we're all about. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to aim toward having that as part of our future, uh, but we will transition back into it depending on what the conditions, the existing conditions are. Um, I, I anticipate that if there's a marathon next uh, year in March, we'll, we will have a, you know, we will definitely have a footprint there. Um, and, and I'm, I'm excited about the fact that uh, we're, we will be returning and many of our students, um, I think will remember, you know, it's I, you were there when the, I think it was 2011, I forget the year when, when it was, uh, you know, like the buckets just were falling from the sky. Yeah, I, I, I remember the water being up to my knees in certain points. Yeah, so everybody kind of remembers that, right? They say, oh, I was there in 2011. Well, I think this will be one of those you know, comments that people were, I was there in 2020, you know, where, where you'll have this, you know, memory of, of this extraordinarily challenging season. And despite a pandemic that, that uh, forced us to make some difficult choices in, in our lives, we were able to thrive. Uh, and I think uh, that that will be one of those memories that will, will stick with us for our, you know, for all of our lives that I participated in Student Trinity during a pandemic. Uh, and I met these goals uh, despite overwhelming obstacles. So, you know, I, but I believe we will find ourselves back to a, a, a sense of traditional students from LA experiences, you know, by next year. And if not by next year, certainly by the year after. Well, Keeping we my fingers crossed that, uh, that, you know, that, that everything works in terms of the, uh, you know, the vaccine and everybody does what they're supposed to do to make sure that we minimize the impact of, of, 
you know, of this virus. Well, we're all hoping to get back to a starting line and a big bunch of people probably wearing masks at first. I would think that's going to carry on for quite a while. But Paul, uh, we know you're a very busy guy running everything. So thanks for your time. And any last message for the kids to keep them, keep them focused and determined this year? As all things, this will pass. I believe that. I believe that uh, no matter how bad things may appear at this moment, that you know, we're going to get through this and we're going to get through this together. And I, I applaud and respect their commitment to staying active and healthy and making good choices during this very, very difficult time. It, it speaks well of their character. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just really impressed with uh, their, their, their optimism and their positive attitude during this, um, this, this uniquely challenging period of time that we're, uh, that we're living through. All right, Paul, thanks for your time. And we'll hope to see you at a race soon. Thanks, Joe. We'll definitely see you virtually. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Kids need running. Man, I'm not funning. They need to get back, back to schooling. Always staying inside. Students need safe runs. I'm gonna give you a buff. I'm gonna give you a buff. Mm, got a whole lot of buffs. I got a whole lot of buffs. Got a whole lot of buffs. Got a whole lot of buffs. You've been learning while you're zooming. All them good time students, they be yearning. Way, way down inside, you really need to run. I'm gonna give you a buff. I'm gonna give you a buff. I got a whole lot of buffs. 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 So you're stuck inside during the pandemic. You've been training on your own. Um, you need something to do. How about if you watch a movie on Netflix that might inspire you? Uh, let's see what some of our leaders think about Born to Run. Nia Singh, Born to Run, is the touching and heartwarming story of a young boy who becomes a running legend in his hometown in rural India. He is given away at a young age by his mother due to being born into poverty and for the hope of a better life and simply food to eat. However, he is abused early in life. When Budia is rescued by a judo school trainer, he is subsequently groomed into a running sensation. What Budia accomplishes at the young age of four is extraordinary, running 67 kilometers across the heat in India, but not without suspicion and malintent. Some think that Budia is being abused, forced to run kilometer after kilometer in India's heat without water or brakes. Some argue that such a young boy should be allowed to develop as a young child and not forced to run distances that even adults cannot fathom. Some think that his caretaker, Branchi Das, is forcing the boy to run for money and fame. However, others see hope in this young boy as a way to make a name for themselves out of poverty. This movie is a touching and gut-wrenching account about a boy who just loves to run and runs out of the goodness of his heart. It really speaks highly to the effects that a coach 
either effective, good, or bad, has on the life of an athlete. Although the coach's techniques are non-conformative and unconditional, it is without doubt that the coach has nothing but Budia's best interest in mind. This movie and the story of Budia Singh, a young boy who goes through great efforts to learn how to run, to train how to run, at a very, very young age, shows how taxing running can be on the human body. It brings into question hydration methods. It brings into question training methods. It brings into question overtraining. It brings into question of who is or who is not qualified to train someone in a sport, especially something as taxing as marathon running. I teach French, and so I gravitate towards French movies when I want to watch one on Netflix or Amazon. But for the past 10 years, the couple of French movies I have seen pale in comparison to the couple of Indian movies I've seen so far. Budia Singh is no exception. In fact, it is one of the best documentary movies I've seen in a while. Notwithstanding, Budia Singh is not without controversy, in my opinion. But first, I'd like to talk about the compelling message of human achievement in the small, young body of a child a five-year-old child to be exact. It definitely is amazing that such a young boy can overcome such a challenge as a marathon. I didn't think it was possible. The movie suggests, however, that such feats are possible only with proper training, as Bodhya Singh is trained by his adoptive father. On the other hand, the controversy lies in the fact that we are talking about a five-year-old boy, not a 25-year-old boy who has never run a marathon in his life. Sure, it certainly does appear that Budia is a natural-born runner. However, his trainer, in my opinion, does, not put his does put his life at risk by asking too much of the young boy, by not giving him water, and at times teasing him with a bottle of water at higher kilometers. His father doesn't seem to care about, his ri about this risk. All he wants is for India to have a first Indian marathoner in the history of the Olympic Games. The problem with this thinking, with his thinking, is that um, he has many people in high office who support him, whereas there are many other people who question his motives, such as the director of child services in India. As much as I found myself rooting for Budia, I couldn't help but fear the moment that he might not make it. Overall, this story proves what kids are able to accomplish with guidance, love, support, and determination. Budia's lives changed because one person believed in his ability. <laughs>